Um, if you did not get a set of notes, just actually we're just going to pass them out because I think we, we, we got them out there too late. So just uh, raise your hand if you need them and, and, and we'll get you hooked up. So just uh, a few quick things from Ephesians 4. We won't get through everything tonight, but, but uh, if you'll remember, last time we saw that the teaching, equipping ministries of the goal is that, I mean, you see it there in, in verse 15, uh, it's to see everybody grow in Christ. The whole body is to be edify, edified through the working of every part. Uh, verse 16 says, it's from Christ. It's from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And you see, even before that, uh, God gave us pastors and teachers, right? God gave us this local church structure with, with one goal in mind, and that's to see every member conformed to the image of Christ, to see the church built up. In verses one through seven, or one through six, we see that God has made us one, and then in verse seven, each one of us is uniquely gifted, right? Each one of us is made to be a part of this edifying of the body of Christ. And so the question on the floor has been, are you a part of that? Are you a part of building up the faith of your brethren to see them grow in Christ? There's a, there's a switch in your mind that you have to flip. You have to decide the things I'm gonna do with my life are gonna fall out to obedience to Christ. Hebrews 10 says we're to consider one another unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. You ought to come to church with a game plan. How can I, how can I encourage and edify the people that I'm gonna meet on Sunday, on Tuesday, in my Bible study, in discipleship? So much the more as you see the day approaching. And that's, the, and that's really it right there. When Jesus returns, will we be found making disciples? or will we be found living our lives for ourselves? See, we don't wanna live like the world around us, and this is what I want us to see in verse 17. Okay, so Ephesians 4, verse 17. How does the world around you live? Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse 14 tells you, uh, when you consider all the works that are done under the sun, behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. In chapter two, verse 11, I saw everything that man's working on, right, behold. Verse 11 says, all is vanity and vexation of spirit and there was no profit under the sun. Man on his own can work his tail off and get nothing done. Nothing of any spiritual consequence or eternal value. Proverbs 18.2 says, a fool hath no delight in understanding but that his heart may discover itself. See, those that don't have God's mission for their life, right, God's mission is theirs, they live a life of empty pursuits, so point number one, they live a vain life, a life filled with empty pursuits, and what that looks like is, I gotta live my truth, my heart has to be happy, I gotta, I gotta follow my heart, and if you do that, and you don't remember that the heart is deceptively wicked, okay, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there's the old man, the old deceptive heart, and then there's the new man, there's Christ's heart, which, you know, which, what camp are you gonna be in? See, verse seven says, now look at this, Ephesians four, this is a hinge in this chapter. This I say therefore, considering God made us one, verses one through six, and you're uniquely gifted, right? God has wired you, verse seven, to be a part of the edifying ministry and recognizing that everything that God's given us is so that the whole church will be built up. Verse 17, this I say therefore, 
don't waste your life. Right, do not waste, don't throw your life away on pursuing self-fulfillment. Look at this, this I say therefore, in light of verses seven through 16, and testify in the Lord that ye walk not as other Gentiles walk. How do they walk? Oh, they walk in a way of vanity and vexation of spirit. They walk in a way where they're busy all the time but there's no profit under the sun. There's no value to their work. This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord that you walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. I'm, I'm doing things that please me but they're not pleasing to the Father. Well that's, I'm, going, I, I'm literally investing my life in something that will lead to nothing. Do not waste your life. First Peter 4, 3 says, for in time past, for the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excessive wine, revelings, banquets, uh, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. You know, that's how we used to live in fulfillment of self. Children of God don't live like that anymore. See, we don't walk the way that we used to as lost people. That's who we were in time past. We lived like the lost world around us because we were a part of it, but that's, no, God's called us out of that. He says, walk not as, right? Walk not as other Gentiles walk, Ephesians 4, 17. So forsaking sin and following God in righteousness, that's not a way for the preacher to keep control in your life, for the church to keep you under its thumb. Uh, No, this is the expectation of God Almighty for each of his children. When God saves you, he expects you to live for himself, not for yourself. You're bought with a price now. You don't get to live for yourself and do what you wanna do. You don't get to live your life in terms of what pleases you in the flesh. If you're a Christian, you don't belong to you, so you don't get to call the shots. Don't walk like the lost world walks. Don't live like that. So you, so if you know, if you say, "Well, I don't, I don't want to. I know God loves me. He loves me unconditionally, and and uh, I will continue in sin, and grace will abound." Okay, well, you better check yourself. Philippians chapter two tells you that at the name of Jesus Christ, right? And again, we get it. This will be at the end. That at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow, every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father, and most people stop there. But Philippians 2.12 says, wherefore, understanding that, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not, not as in my presence only, not just when I was watching you, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Verse 13 says, for it is God, which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You see, God's children want to please him. And if you don't have any interest in pleasing the Lord, you better ask yourself why that is. Are you God's child? You better work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And here in Philippians chapter two, it's you have salvation. What's in you should work itself out of you, right? Is anything hindering that process? But let's just flip the meaning because that applies too. You better work out whether or not you're saved. I mean, if you don't want to both will and to do, look at verse 13, Philippians chapter two, verse 13. What does God do? in the life of his children. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. If you don't have an appetite for the things of God, if you don't have a desire to please your Father in heaven, something is catastrophically wrong. 
Because you're, you're not supposed to live, you're not supposed to walk like the lost world around you. You know what the lost world says? Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we'll die. You're in this life, the lost world says, to get out of it what you can get for yourself while you can. And that is not the way of God's family. That's not the way of Christ. You're in this life to lay your life down so that Christ might be magnified, that Christ might be glorified in his creation. What are you living for? Well, I'm trying to get my girlfriend's pants. You were made for more than that. What are you living for? I'm looking for the perfect high. (laughs) You haven't seen anything yet. You were made for so much more than that. What are you living for? Whatever's coming out on Netflix. (laughs) Netflix and chill. Are you kidding me? You see, the lost live for themselves. They live for self-fulfillment because they cannot understand the concept of living for God. Right over their head. The idea that they, you know, and so they mock at these things, you know, big daddy in the sky. (laughs) They, They mock at it, you know, flying spaghetti monster. No, they know in their heart, and instead of acknowledging their creator, they pursue vanity. A life lived for fulfilling self is a waste of time, it's a waste of your life. So many of God's people are so depressed because they got their eyes on themselves. They don't recognize just the joy of entering into the fellowship of Christ's suffering. See, the blind have no ability, no, no capacity to understand truth. Look at verse 18. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts. The lost cannot understand the concept of living biblically for God. Whenever they see someone do it, they think it's strange. First Peter 4, 4 says, wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, and then they trash talk you for for following the Lord. When you stop living for self-pleasure, self-fulfillment, then the lost world around you, your old friends think you've lost your ever-loving mind. You don't add up to them anymore, why? Well, God's truth is hid to them. In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world blinds the minds of the lost so that they can't see truth, so they don't believe on truth. That isn't supposed to be you anymore. Okay, we're gonna stop right there. That's my introduction, because we only had 10 minutes, okay. But I want you to be thinking about this, particularly over these next, I mean, this next calendar month, two weeks of prayer and fasting, Uh, two weeks of worship, thanksgiving, and praise. Um, Be thinking about this. Really, at your core, as a believer, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, where is your want to? Where is the desire of your heart set to? Uh, It's good to do a a gut check, self, you know, just a hard (laughs) self-evaluation. Like, where, where, where is my heart really? What am I trying to get out of this life? And if it's all, I mean, if it boils down to self-fulfillment, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, something is catastrophically wrong. It is true, Jesus said, you know, as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? As it was in the days of Noah. Okay, we've got a framework for what it will be like in the days when Christ will return. It'll be a lot like the world that Lot lived in. It'll be a lot like the world that, that, that uh, Shem lived in, right? And uh, I just, I mentioned those two names because Jesus mentions those two time frames. 
Um, he mentions the time frame of Noah, Genesis chapter six, and the time frame that, that Lot lived in. Okay, so Shem, uh, he was a mighty man of faith. He lived in a corrupt world, and uh, he kept his heart for the Lord. Lot, the Bible says his, I mean, he, he vexed his righteous soul in Sodom and Gomorrah. I, I don't know, I think a lot of Christians make excuses for themselves. I know I've done it in my own life in times past. I've done it where it's like, yeah, you know, I feel, I, I, and I do, I, I, I see the analogy, I do, I get. It's a lot like being Lot. Uh, everywhere we look, there's, I mean, between our flesh, this lost, corrupt world and its devil God, right? Our, our righteous souls get vexed. But we can follow that into a life of loss, and that's exactly what Lot did. Or we can just decide with Shem, man, I'm all about the boat. <laughs> and whenever we get off the boat, I'm gonna make sure that my descendants, uh, Abraham, uh, I'm gonna speak some truth into that kid's life. I'm gonna train, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. I'm gonna train up my kids in the way that they should go. I'm gonna be all about God's kingdom in the lives of the people that God's put in my influence. I wanna matter for the cause of Christ. Where's your want to set to? Where's the desires of your heart? Are they on Christ and his kingdom or are they on yourself? And what will happen, this is the way the enemy works, and I haven't figured out a way to fix this or to cut through it and get people's attention. But what happens is people, it's just bizarre, they, they go, we talked about the life cycle of a church. The same thing happens in the lives of people. Whenever you first got plugged in and you saw truth, right? You're born again and you recognize that, that God is, is gonna use you to change lives and you get to learn his word for yourself and you get to use it in the lives of people and, 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 and like you're on fire because it's clicked, man. You're not just, you're not just in life to attend church services and, and just go through the motions and have a form of godliness. No, you get to matter for the kingdom and here's this young believer that's growing in the word and on fire and, and uh, they're just, man, a thousand, you know, they can have 99 problems, but their relationship with Christ isn't one of them. They're just so full of joy, and they're just so full, they're just so full of the grace of God. I mean, they're just, man, they're just walking in the light of Christ. It's a wonderful thing. And then Satan will use, you know, some church interaction. Uh, a pastor held you accountable in some area that you didn't want, or brother or sister did that, or somebody didn't meet your expectations. Uh, the church isn't, whatever the ABC is, they're not X, Y, Zing at the way that you thought that they should, and now, right, Satan's put it in your heart to despise the people of God, the things of God. This church is never gonna be perfect. Satan will make sure that you see that. And if he can, and if he can use that in your life to make you suck your thumb and act like a, like a, like a big baby and to withdraw, and just go to the, you know, I'm, I'm coming off the field and I'm just gonna sit on the bench and suck my thumb because this church is messed up or God's people are messed up. You know what just happened, sucker? You got played, right? And you're no longer, you're no longer mattering for the kingdom. And instead of being the solution to the problems that you're seeing, you know, okay, so Satan, point, you know, Satan points out problems. Well, God, I can take those problems to you in prayer and you're gonna work in your people because you're just that awesome. I'm gonna stay busy praying for the lost, preaching to the lost, 
being a friend to the lost. I'm gonna keep encouraging and edifying my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm gonna be, so help me God by your grace, I'm gonna be a part of something that matters for your glory for eternity. Father, I pray for, your, for my brothers and sisters. I pray for your children. God, keep them. <laughs> Please don't let any of us waste our life pursuing the vanity, uh, the, 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 the vapid, uh, Lord, just the, the dead end of self-fulfillment. Lord, deliver us from vexation and vanity. God, help us to be a people who, because we're your children, uh, our heart, the desire of our heart, it's your pleasure, it's your word, reality over our life and your kingdom that Christ will be magnified and we get to be a part of that. Lord, help us to be satisfied and settle for nothing less than that, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.